so excited to kick off this new message series called Moments That Matter in a World of Chatter. We're just going to call it Moments That Matter because we all know that the chatter goes on around us 24-7. You know what chatter means? Chatter means all the sounds and all the activities, all the entertainment, all the information that blows past us on a daily basis. And it leaves us from being able to see the significant moments in life. So we're going to talk about the moments that matter in a world of chatter and Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler this morning. Take your Bibles to turn to Mark chapter 10 today. Each week in this series, we'll be looking at another conversation. We'll start with Jesus conversing with a couple of people, but then we'll look at others in the New Testament, disciples, those in the epistles who have had conversations with other people and had moments that matter, opportunities to churn, change lives and to turn people from one way to the other. And as you look to the text in Mark 10, think about significant conversations you've had in your life. When I ask you to think about moments that matter when someone has talked to you about the things that matter the most, some of you are going to think about faith conversations. Someone told you about Jesus Christ. Someone helped you know how much he loved you and how much uh, he gave when he died on the cross for you. And that turns your life around. Some of you are going to think about conversations that are family-type conversations. A parent or a brother or sister says something to you, and it was a moment that mattered that you'll cherish for as long as you live. Some of you will think about romantic conversations where you and your spouse or your future spouse or, or someone that means a lot to you had a conversation with you. Maybe it was easy, maybe it was hard. But as you look back on your life, it was a moment that mattered in spite of all the other sounds that were going around. Today, we're going to start with Jesus' conversation with the man that we know as the rich, young ruler who had a lot of chatter going on in his life. Let's stand together as we read this text, beginning in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. You know the story really well. It's recorded in the Gospels, and here it is in Mark's Gospel, maybe briefer here than in the others. And the Bible says, as he was setting out on a journey, that is Jesus going on his trip, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And here in this little line, Jesus includes eight of the 10 commandments right away. And he said to him, teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said, one thing you like, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now don't miss the key line here. The key line here is follow me. Some of you will read this text and, and you'll say, all right, we're going to hear about selling all that we have. But here's what I want you to hear. Come and follow me. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to the disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Yes. Father, thank you that all things are possible with you. Father, thank you that you speak to us when we're in the middle of a world of chatter. 
and you help us know the significant, the meaningful moments of life. I pray that you'll have those moments with us today, here, now, with each of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. All oh, God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Here's a man that was in a world of chatter. He's a rich, young ruler. He's got everything going on. What is chatter? Chatter is that nonstop noise around us that distracts, entertains, that occupies and hinders us from the significant. We have chatter when we uh, have a television going at the same time as we have a stereo blasting at the same time our cell phone rings at the same time four or five people try to talk to us at the very same moment. All these voices going all these different ways and we really can't distinguish one from the other. That's chatter. I want to talk to you about chatter for just a few moments because we are preoccupied with what's going on all around us and we're missing some big things. Did you know the average person has 120 waking hours each week if we assume that you sleep seven hours a night? Working people average about 45 hours of work every week. And the average person commutes about seven hours a week in their commute to their workplace. That leaves about 68 hours a week. 28 hours of those week we spend watching television, especially in football season. That leaves us 40. On the average, 14 hours are spent on social media each week. That leaves us about 26. Out of that 26, we chip away the rest of those things by our shopping, our eating, and entertaining ourselves. Some of that matters, but the average person receives so much information on the space of an average day that, that we receive more information than a person does in their whole lifetime back in 1900. Think about that. The things we hear on a daily basis is more than most people would ever hear a hundred years ago. And we don't know how, what to do with it all. We don't know how to process it all. And some things matter more than others, and we haven't figured out sometimes how to do that. The reason I know that is because the average person that I'm talking about only spends two minutes a day in meaningful conversation with a spouse or a child. And next to nothing for neighbors and friends co-workers, and we're squeezing out regular prayer in worship, gathering to lift up the Lord, serving God in really meaningful moments that God designed for us to have. And I've got to tell you today, we were meant for more. We're meant for far more than that. And yet the chatter all around us holds us back, keeps us distracted, hinders us from the things that really, really matter. This rich young ruler is a man that had a world of chatter going on in his life. And as we've said, he's young, he's rich, he's a ruler. He has many things that occupy his time and attention, but he's also got a void. In fact, when you read this text, you can see a desperation here. I want you to notice the line in verse 17. A man ran up to him and knelt before him. He ran up to Jesus when Jesus was on his way somewhere else. And this young man knelt in front of Jesus and begins to ask the question, now, I commend this man. And the reason I commend him is because he knows something is missing in his world of chatter. He's got everything everybody wants. He's got youth. He's got position of influence. He's got money and wealth. He's got all the stuff that so many people go after with their whole lives. And yet he knows something's missing and he's open about it and vulnerable about it. He admits it and he runs to Jesus. Now, not only does he admit it, 
And I commend you for that, but he picks the right person to run to. He runs to Jesus, who has the ability to help cut through all of that stuff and get him to the right place. So this is a, a man in a world of chatter, and he's being distracted in every way, and he's coming to the right place. You know, I look around at the world we live in, and I'm thinking, man, we don't seem to know how distracted we are. The average person that I talk to on a regular basis is so confused by all the stuff going on in their lives that they can barely clear enough space to ask the question, what is missing? We're like people driving down the highway at 70 miles an hour trying to text at the same time. You ever seen anybody do that? And they veer to the right and they veer to the left. They barely miss oncoming traffic. All to be a part of a conversation that, quite frankly, doesn't matter at the moment. We're like those people in life. We're moving very rapidly through life and we're, we're going to miss the direction we ought to be in. We're going to have collisions all over the place if we don't find what really, really matters. Now, when I look at my Bible to find out what the Bible says about this kind of busyness of mind and busyness of life, I see a number of things, principle-wise. Let me give you a few of them. Chatter can entertain us but not fulfill us. You can have chatter going on 24-7. You can be entertained to the nth degree. You can have this incredible world, almost real-life experience and, and some gaming strategy or some sports event. You can have all kinds of exhilarating moments. But the bottom line is it cannot fulfill your life. At some point, you're going to realize the emptiness and you're going to realize the void, just like this rich young ruler. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Principle number two, chatter can pollute our schedules and our minds. It can absolutely pollute us to the point where we're really not thinking straight and we're really not having the kind of moments we're supposed to have with God and with others and, and the chatter is overwhelming us. And 1 John chapter 2 is a great line that often convicts me. It says, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but from the world. Not everything that you can do is something God wants you to do. Not every desire you have is something that you need to pursue. Not every opportunity and open door out there is one that you should walk through because it's not all from the Father, and these things are not from the Father, but from the world. If we're not careful, chatter can keep us from real life. That's what the Bible teaches. This young man was being kept from real life. He had it all except God. He had it all except meaning. He had it all except purpose. And if we're not careful, we can be in the same boat. C.T. Studd is one of the most quotable men of the past century. I even like his name, C.T. Studd. He's a stud, I have to tell you. And here's what he said in one of his poems. It has several real verses to the poem, but I'm just going to read one of them. He says, only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. How many of you have heard that before? Would you raise your hand? Soon your life will be gone, he says. And only what's done for Christ, only what's done in Christ, from Christ, through Christ, will last for time and eternity. And you're going to spend a little bit of your time on planet Earth, about this much. But on the timeline of eternity, all the rest of that is yours 
Only what's done for Christ in this time frame is going to really last for this time frame. And this young man knew something was missing in his life, so he comes to Jesus, and he's really desperate, and he wants to know, what am I supposed to do with my life? And that brings us to really a key point of this whole passage, and that is a moment that matters. This moment that matters in verses 21 through 27 is probably just a five to 10 minute conversation. Now I want you to imagine with me for a moment, a five minute conversation that Jesus records for all time and all eternity for us 2,000 years later to think about, that's a moment that matters. That's a moment that has significance. We don't find a lot of conversation going on here because Jesus is on a trip. And on this trip, this young man comes and falls at his feet and asks this question. And most of the time when we look at this text, we're going to be looking at the message that Jesus had for the young man. And we'll talk about that. But often when we look at this text, we don't look at what Jesus was doing in having the conversation at the very moment. And what I want you to see here today is that Jesus had these incredibly intentional moments that really mattered with the people that he interacted with. Notice what this thing is all about. First of all, it's a loving moment, a loving moment. The Bible says that when, when this young man came and knelt down in front of Jesus, Jesus was on his way to another place. And the Bible says, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. He slowed down on a trip. You never know where, who you're going to meet on the way to somewhere else. Have you ever met anybody famous on the way to someone else? You don't expect to meet them. You don't expect to see them, but you see them on the way to someone else or someplace else, and all of a sudden, everything stops for just a moment, and you just stop and stare. I remember when I was 20 years old, I met Marie Osmond, and I met her and actually had a conversation with her. Anybody know who Marie Osmond is? Would you raise your hand? It's going to be a limited survey in here today because unless you're with Weight Watchers, you may not know her right now. And everything stopped for a few moments while I met and talked to Marie Osmond. I was in an airport a number of years ago, and I ran into Muhammad Ali. Anybody know who Muhammad Ali is? Wow. And had a very brief conversation with him before all his big bully kind of guys ushered me away. Never know who you're going to meet on a trip. I ran into Jennifer Aniston in Chicago. And three weeks later, ran into her in Dallas-Fort Worth. I thought she was stalking me or something. <laughs> You never know who you're going to run into. You don't need to be looking for a celebrity to run into, but when you see them, you stop and you record the moment. On the flip side, Jesus looked at every person and stopped and spent time with. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He wasn't a celebrity. He was a rich young ruler, but that didn't mean anything to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not as well. Not his position, not his youthfulness. This was a man with a need. And Jesus stopped and looked at him. And the Bible says that Jesus slowed down to have an amazing conversation with this young man and related to him well. Life slowed down for that few moments. Now, when I think about Jesus' life slowing down, it's hard for me to fathom because Jesus lived about 30 years in relative obscurity before three years of public ministry and then the cross. So in that three years of public ministry, which is where we are in Mark chapter 10, Jesus had to live every moment intentionally with purpose, with meaning. Imagine only having three years to accomplish your life work. 
Imagine only having three years to do everything that the Father wanted you to do. And only in that three years could you accomplish that because the cross was a date he was destined for. He was moving to the cross. And yet in that three-year period of time, this young man randomly, it seems, comes up to Jesus and Jesus stops and let life slow down to have this moment that mattered with this man. That's impressive. You know, when I watch football players after they have great games, come into an interview room and someone asks them a question, how did you have such a great game? How did you throw 28 passes and have 25 of them for reception? How did you throw three touchdown passes and, and you're just a rookie and you've only had five games under your belt? What happened today? And they almost always say this, the game slowed down for me. And what they mean is, I'm aware of what's going on around me now. I'm not just rushing to and fro about the field. I know what's happening. I watch the defense open up. I watch the receivers make their pass routes. I realize what's going on around me. The game slowed down and I could be at my best. For Jesus, the game slowed down and was always at that kind of purposeful speed. You and I are going to have to, if we're going to follow Jesus, learn to let life slow down for us. We're going to have to be recognizing those incredible opportunities and moments around us to have those kinds of amazing conversations with people all around us, those five-minute conversations that change the world. And so we're going to have to look at people. I mean, actually look at them, not looking at what they're wearing and not looking at what their hair looks like or what they draw, but looking at them, looking through their eyes at their souls, slowing down and seeing what needs are going on in their life. For us to be like that, we're going to have to love people as well, to look at people, to love people, to know that God has placed them in our life, to talk to people, to influence people. Yeah, when am I going to have time to do that? Well, when you're at work, during that 47.5 hours a week, when you're at school, and I know it seems like if you're in school, it, even longer than 40 hours a week, when you're in the neighborhood, when you're seated on an airplane traveling somewhere and someone is next to you, and unexpected times, when you don't expect someone to begin to converse with you, when you're shopping, when you're out walking, wherever you are, you have the same opportunity Jesus had to live life intentionally. I heard a riveting story shared by a young woman named Catherine this past week, and it was really amazing. She told the story of being intentional about praying and asking God to give her opportunities to have conversations with people that mattered. This is a mom. She's got two or three kids, and her husband is a busy uh, guy in ministry in another state. And, and, and this woman simply said, I just felt that I had something to share with others, and I didn't know how to let life slow down, so I just began to pray, God, give me opportunities. And every day, God would give her an opportunity to talk to somebody the way Jesus talked to this rich young ruler, and she would take advantage of that. But one day, she was really pressed in what she was doing. She'd gone to a, 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 a CVS store, and she was buying some things for a conference that was happening nearby, and the conference was actually being put on to help people know how to share the gospel. And so she was really trying to get all this stuff together. And the lady at the CVS counter asked her that really difficult question, do you have a rewards card? <laughs> and then the next one is, well, would you like one? And the next one is, what's your number? What's your social security? What's your visa number? What's your personal phone number? And Catherine said, I never, never did like those conversations. I had places to be and things to do. And 
And as I was about to just kind of be abrupt with her, the Lord said, remember what you asked for? You asked for opportunities to have meaningful conversations with people. What about her? Catherine said, I stopped and realized what was going on. And so I said, I don't want a rewards card, but may I talk to you about God and your relationship with God? And the lady started crying. She said, I've been wanting someone to tell me how to have a relationship with God. In fact, I just prayed today, God, send someone to help me know how to have a relationship with you. She said, I'm desperate. Last week I went to church on a Wednesday night. I saw the cars and stopped there. And she said, I didn't even know where to go or what to do. And somebody gave me a Bible and I started reading it, but it's written by some king and I don't understand what it says. She said, you mean the King James Version? She goes, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So let me explain this to you. And by the end of the next 30 minutes, this young lady had heard about Jesus and this Catherine had been able to share Christ with her. And this young woman had come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what I would call a significant moment, a kingdom conversation, a moment that matters. And those kinds of moments happen when life slowed down and that's what Jesus was doing. He had just three years to fulfill the mission that God gave him. But this loving moment was the open door to having a conversation that mattered. You know, if you're going to go and make disciples, which we're all commanded to do, by the way, you might first need to go and make room for people. And then you might need to go and make room for a conversation. And maybe you need to make room for a friend in your life. And then you can go and make disciples, but you can't go and make disciples without having a friend, without having a conversation, without making room. So here's Jesus letting life slow down, and here's a loving moment. But this loving moment is also a truth moment. Notice what he says after the young man says, I've done all these commands. I've done these from the time I was a boy until now. And Jesus said, then go and sell all that you have and come follow me. Now you need to be careful when you read this story of Jesus and the rich young ruler not to read into it an emphasis that's not there. Jesus did not say that everyone is to go and sell all they have in order to follow him. And aren't you glad about that? But Jesus said to him, go and sell all that you have. The big rock here is not sell your stuff. But if stuff is keeping you from following Jesus, then yes, sell your stuff. But the big rock here is come follow me. It's the same command that Jesus gives everyone. Come and follow me. And it's not about knowing things and just doing good things because the young man said, I've done all these commands that you talk about from my childhood up. And I've got to have a pause here to have a significant conversation with you right now because the whole message of the entire Bible is one of you not being able to do enough good things to be right with the Holy God. But that's good news because if it requires you doing enough right things, enough pure things, enough holy things, enough perfect things for you to be right enough for a holy God, you could never do it and I could never do it. That's why I'm grateful. That's not the way to eternal life, aren't you? You can't be religious enough. You can't prevent yourself from doing enough bad things. You can't close your mouth enough. You can't close your mind enough to be perfect enough for a holy God. The gospel is that God loves you anyway and sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place. And because he does that, you put your faith and trust in him and he forgives you of sin and gives you the gift of eternal life and gives you the life that you can live by his power. And that's what Jesus is eventually going to share with this guy. It's not being good enough. It's not being religious enough. And when you see this, 
what you need to understand is Jesus is simply saying, I want you to follow me. And anything that keeps you from following me, you need to jettison that. And I would say to you today, in this meaningful moment between me and you, whatever it takes you to follow Jesus, do that. If your possessions keep you from following Jesus, lay them aside. If your need for popularity keeps you from following Jesus, set that aside. Whatever it is that keeps you from following Jesus, lay it aside. Because only in following Jesus will you have the significance and the meaning in life. Only in following Jesus will you have the eternity that Jesus came to give you and the forgiveness of sins and the right standing with God. Whatever keeps you from following Jesus, lay it aside. Because following Jesus is the answer for everything. Wouldn't you agree with me this morning? Following Jesus is the answer to everything. And for him, this rich young ruler, the issue with the chatter, the thing that preoccupied him, I can't leave it. In fact, the Bible says that he was saddened and went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. Now, if you're standing one-on-one -on -one with the sinless son of God and you've come in desperation and knelt before him, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And he tells you, go and sell all that you have. And you get up and you walk away grieving because you have many things. And most of us would assume you've just rejected the Lord who loved you, who was on his way to the cross for you. We don't really know how this story ends apart from this scenario. Later on, we see commentators writing about the fact that possibly, possibly Joseph of Arimathea was that rich young ruler a year or two down the road coming back to get the body of Jesus. We don't know that for sure. But what we do know at that moment that that rich young ruler was not willing to bow the knee to Jesus. The moment the truth sunk in, he wasn't really willing to go. Not a good way for that conversation to end. You know, the distraction of chatter is not only something that people without Christ deal with, it's something that we deal with too. I remember Jesus writing about the parable, what we call the parable of the soil. Most of us know us, the parable of the sower. Sower goes out to sow seeds, so we name that parable that. But it really is about the soil. Because as the seeds are sown, the soil determines what kind of fruit those seeds will have. The seed is the Word of God, and the soil is the heart into which it was placed. And here's what Jesus says about a certain kind of soil. He says, others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. You can just put the word chatter in the line there. They enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. In other words, what God could be doing in your life may be being choked out because of chatter. Because there's too much going on and you haven't learned to shut it out well enough. Much like this rich young ruler, so much is going on that is distracting us. Even people that have found hope and life and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And really, it's the reason we're often not all in because we're all in with something else or because we're half in with something else. We can't give our all in to God. Sometimes we're so distracted with all the prosperity we have, all the things we have, we have nothing left to give to Jesus. And we're hindered from following him 
completely. Our hold back may not be money. It might be sports. It might be hobbies. It might be another person. It might be possessions. It might be an obsession you have with something else. Our hold back may not be money, but whatever it is, lay it aside in order to follow Jesus Christ. I read the statement last week, and this is a great statement. Following Christ involves decision. Following Christ involves decision. If I'm going to follow Jesus, then I'm going to have to constantly make decisions about what I leave behind because I can't carry it all. Now, you know, we have six kids, and, and there was a period of time my wife and I were taking vacations in a suburban, fully packed, going on a trip with six kids. And, and I can remember the most strenuous time of the, of the trip was just before we left when we packed the car. For me, that was the most strenuous time of the, of the trip. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not the guy that packs the suitcases, but I'm the guy that has to stuff it all in the truck, right? And so you can only imagine what that's like. So all these kids come marching out with all these suitcases and bags and, and ice chests and everything else. And so my job is to pack this thing in the car. And, uh, and at several points during the course of our vacation history, I would buy a luggage rack and tie it on top, and then I would buy uh, one of those things you put on your, your trailer hitch. It's kind of a platform and tie it on. And at some point, I had to say, enough is enough. And I had to start saying, take some back. We can't take it all and still get in the car. And it was a constant dilemma. The only argument my wife and I ever used to have on a vacation was that one right there. What do we take with us? We're not moving, babe, but we're coming back, right? We have to do that. You can't carry all of life's baggage and be effective for Christ. You can't carry all the distractions, all the information, all the stuff going on. You're going to have to leave something behind in order to follow Jesus Christ. And I don't know what it is, but he will speak to you about what that is. And when he says that to you, when you're aware that something is holding you back from following Christ, leave it behind. Make that decision. Then there's a teaching moment. A teaching moment. Notice that Jesus in verse 23, after having this amazing conversation with this young ruler, turns to the disciples. It's a teaching moment for him to help them. He recognized moments that matter. He recognized this was a chance to grow them just a little bit. He recognized that the world is tough and distracting and his disciples would often be confused. But Jesus makes a statement here that we still get hope from 2,000 years later. Notice what he says in verse 27. With people, it is impossible. The disciples say, then who could be saved? How can this happen? With people, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Say those words with me. For all things are possible with God. One more time. For all things are possible with God. I can't hear you. With all things possible with God. All things are possible with God. Now, let me tell you, when you think about the difficulty of shedding something in order to follow Christ, keep that in mind. When you think about the difficulty of leaving sin behind and harmful habits and everything else that holds you back from following Christ, you keep that in mind. When you think about the chatter and the distraction that's going on in your life and you're struggling to know what to do, think about that. With God, all things are possible. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Ask these questions. What do I need to change to follow Christ? 
what is missing in me that I need for him to fulfill? What habit do I need to begin with in eliminating habits? What conversation do I need to start? And the most important question, have I ever said yes to him? Have I ever said, I'm going to follow you, and whatever that costs me, I'm willing to pay? You see, those questions can turn into a meaningful moment in your life. In just a few moments, the course of your life can change by the power of God because with God, nothing is impossible. Would you bow your head for just a few moments? Our counselors will come to the front. We'll have a time of worship and invitation. But think about these questions with me for the moment. Have you ever come to Christ? Have you ever said, I will follow you? Because I know what you've done for me on the cross and my response is to trust you and to follow you. Have you ever done that? Because if you've never done that or there's doubt that you've ever done that, today ought to be the moment you make your decision to follow him. And we would love to do nothing better than help you make that decision. Help you pray a very simple prayer. Help you take the step of faith to trust him. So I urge you right now to do that. It may be that there's something else that you need to jettison, something that you need to throw aside. I urge you to come to the altar. I urge you to talk to somebody. But today, to be a Christ follower, decision is involved. What will you decide? Father, in Jesus' name today, lead us, prompt us, convict us. Father, help us to know what it is we need to do. And Lord, as a pastor, as a preacher, I can't know what's going on in the hearts of people, but you do. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, write in the minds of every person and on the heart what that next step is for them to be a follower of Jesus. Lord, today we ask you to give us the boldness and courage to be unashamed to follow you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.